I love it. I love it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Hey everybody. Welcome to 12 questions. This is Anna Valenzuela. I have my co-host, the magnificent, the beautiful Dave Yates. I'm Dave Yates. I disagree with some of those things, but I'm here anyway. <laughs> oh my God. Just shut up and take the compliment already. <laughs> <laughs> and we have a fantastic guest. We always let our guests identify themselves in case they would like to be anonymous. Um, so uh, who is joining us today? Is this where I talk? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Steve Simone. Steve Hi, Simone. Steve. Hi, guys. Oh it's so good to see you guys. It is so good to see you. I have a, before we even get into it, I have a funny story to tell you. You are very big on blood donations. That's here. Yeah. You round people up. You encourage them to go. And yep. I heard that COVID really took a chunk out of blood donation. And for my mother's birthday, who's been passed, I, I mm. went to go do a blood donation. And I Oh, that's the, awesome. I meet the weight requirements to do the power blood draw, where they take out two batches at once that's and awesome so they did that and um by the way if you're not a drug using person you feel super drunk afterwards i was like <laughs> yeah you do i was like okay i've got to drive home and so I we call that home. a free lapse exactly <laughs> i i went home last night and my roommate's dog is very old and he gets scared and he bites feet and we ran into Aww. each other and he bit my foot so hard i'm recording from bed today <laughs> oh gosh <laughs> it was just the funniest i was like i was like of course that happened and so it was just the funniest thing and then you know your blood pressure spikes up and i was like oh i feel weird <laughs> It it's so, so weird that if they if they put that in a sitcom, nobody would believe it. Oh, no, the dog bites her feet. Like, nobody would believe that. But that's what exactly. makes life awesome. And the best part is, because you donated so much blood, nothing came out of your foot when you bit <laughs> Basically, yeah. I was all out of blood. All that came out was saline. That was it. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I highly encourage you, if you're listening to this and you're trying to figure out, like, how to make the world better right now, a very safe an effective way to do it is to get blood. Yes. And I would also recommend find a local children's hospital mm -hmm. because they always need blood. And here's the thing. When you donate to the hospital, they use it there in house. And what I didn't realize is that some of these major, and it's all good. Like giving yeah. is always, yeah, yeah. always, always good. But like a lot of the major charities that collect blood wind up selling it to hospitals and stuff like that. Yeah. So one of the things I didn't realize that until I got a little involved down there. And then what I realized was you can only give blood like <coughs> every six weeks or something like mm -hmm. that. But <coughs> you can give platelets every week or every two weeks. Yes. And I'm yes. not even sure what platelets are, to be honest with you. I know that's like <laughs> something in my blood. I just know they, I go down there and they hook me up to a machine and they give me a, a voucher for free food if I want it afterwards. And I got a, a coupon for ice cream. And then I can go back this week if I want to. This should, should be every. This should be every poor comedian's goal to get at least <laughs> yeah, one exactly. free meal a week. Yes. Yes. Exactly. And the cool and thing ice is, cream. It, the platelets <laughs> it takes a couple hours, and you get yeah. to watch a movie. And yeah. how they explained it to me at the American Red Cross, if you don't have like, I I love what you said about going to the local ch children's hospital. I'll do that next time. Mm -hmm. They um. 
the if you can do the power blood donation where they take the two groups, the two batches, it mm. goes straight to the ER. So that's, that's awesome. So that's the priority amazing. is power blood draw, especially if you're an O type, power blood draw, then platelets, then regular blood donation. And that's so, awesome. Yeah, but Steve's got a great point. Go straight to the source, go where they need it the most. Um, and Plus, it inspires safe. you. If you want to feel really good, like one of the other reasons why I recommend Children's Hospital is because it's so easy to get depressed right now, you know? Yeah. And uh, when I go down the Children's Hospital, it's like it makes me think of that um, Mr. Rogers advice. Yeah. When he said, look, look at the people rushing towards the help. And I go to Children's Hospital and it's just a, an entire community filled with those people that are just there to help. So oh, I, I go down it. there and I get, I get recharged Yeah. where I go, okay, there's so many good people in the world that are here and they just want to help. And I, I think that. in a time like this, we, we need to be reminded of that. Absolutely. You're such a positive force. You're the very first person. The first time I ever got paid for stand-up, I went to the comedy store afterwards and you were the first person to tell me now you're a professional comedian. I said that? You did. That's awesome. That's you the really, truth. I think you're not I, a real you're not a real comedian if you don't have a I've run into Steve Simone and he's the nicest guy in comedy <laughs> stories. It's, it's very true. It's very true. It's like there's you are you are such a gem and you're a powerful force. And I have to tell you, when I'm when I'm sad, I make my boyfriend Stuart. I love do it. an impression. Do his, <laughs> do your ice cream joke. To do the go home and get the ice cream on the way back at the rock, rock and roll rouse, he can do it from start to finish. And oh my gosh, I have to! Have, I have to see Stuart do that. <laughs> it really, it really brings me joy. Sometimes I'll be like, I really need a Steve Simone impression, and he'll just go, <laughs> "Oh my god, buddies! Oh my god!" <laughs> like he's just, he, just Stuart's so smart, and it's just so funny that a genius is doing an impression of a moron like me. That makes me. <laughs> that mad. is not. True. That, is that makes me true. love comedy even more. Yeah. It, it truly does. It brings us all together because there's, I think there's different types of intelligence. And the great thing about this podcast is that you, no one has to be funny. You could just tell your story and, and you find out like that there are some people that are very intellectually intelligent, intelligent like Stuart. And then there are like intelligent, like emotionally intelligent people. There's all sorts of people in the world needs all of that. All of yeah. that. Comedy needs all of that. For sure. So I'm, I'm just so excited to have you here. Um, yeah. What I, and I, I want to mention this up top. You do your gratitude list videos. Yep. And I'm, I'm here for all of it. It's actually my favorite thing to watch on the internet right now. Aside from Patrick Stewart reading sonnets, that's been a pretty good one too. <laughs> they're, they're, they're about the same level. They're about the same. About the same. <laughs> Um, it's, it's so great. Um, so when you're living your life, like, how do you, how do you experience surrender? Oh, uh, well for me, and I know this, this whole podcast is based on the 12 steps yeah. and I do, yeah. I do, I do have a little, a little bit of knowledge of that stuff. I'm not in recovery, but I'm familiar with it. Um, and for me, like I am kind of religious and I think surrender and the killing of the ego 
for me are, are oh, my phone's dying, um, <laughs> are necessary for everything. Yeah. Like, I don't think, I don't think anything can happen until you reach that surrender point. I don't think yeah. anything good, I don't think anything good can happen. Well, and I think anything. keeping your, keeping your ego right sized as well, you know, uh, for me, it's, it's, it's important because like, I still need some of it to, you know, get up in the morning and clean myself and stuff yeah. and care enough about myself, sure. but it, especially regardless, a, a human in the world, keeping it right sized. And the reason we like this podcast is like, we, it's not, it's loosely based on recovery, but, uh, I'm going to read the clarity statement real quick. Uh, mm -hmm. we forgot to do that up top, but, uh, <laughs> it's, we're a podcast where we believe that growth and recovery isn't just for clean and sober people. Our mission is to share our experiences. Amen. 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 By also interviewing guests who do the same. We're not affiliated with any, uh, anonymous program or any 12 step organization. 12 questions pod has absolutely no opinion on the use of drugs or alcohol by anyone. We are simply two people that happen to be in recovery that want to interview people about their own life experiences. Although some of our guests may be clean and sober. Some of them are not, or choose not to divulge. The purpose of the podcast is just to learn about ourselves. And we hope that people listening can learn something about themselves and each other. Yay. That's awesome. That's, we usually do that at the top and I forgot. So my bad. It's so awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, that's the whole point is we're, we're trying to bring in because you're a very spiritual person and you live with a lot of, um, a lot of the principles that I see in, in folks with, you know, 12 step recovery. And so that's why I was like, you've been one of my dream guests. I've always been afraid to ask. So oh, I'm please. just, I'm, I'm, <laughs> Just take the compliment. Oh, <laughs> I like you, man. <laughs> um, so yeah, I I agree. It's like the the um, it's being yeah being right sized, but also being like just understanding that how none of my worries are that important. You uh -uh. Know? Like one of my favorite, one of my role models. There's this Catholic saint named Saint Therese of the Little Flower, and she was mm -hmm. this humble nun whose whole philosophy, there's like two quotes that I'll paraphrase. One was like her whole philosophy of life was surrender and love. That yeah. surrender and love is everything. And then the other thing that I applied from her was little acts with great love. Like she was a big proponent of just a smile. And here she was, was like this very humble woman. Like she just was lived a cloistered life of time, like, and now hundreds, hundred years later, we're going through her writings and there's just so much wisdom in it. And like, I don't know, I think we work in a business and we live in a city where everybody wants to do these huge things. Like nobody comes to LA just to live. Everybody comes here to prove to the world they're special. Mm -hmm. And um, I think there's just so much peace in just surrendering and loving everybody, just like, when I think about how messed up the world is right now, and we were kind of talking about this before we recorded, what can you do? Like, you, I can't fix the world's problems, but I can be loving and kind to everybody I encounter. You know, yeah. like I, I can change me and I can just try to be as understanding and as kind. And that's it. That's yeah, all I can I think do. It I think it's for me, I like using the, the, the small hula hoop that surrounds us. Uh, uh, that's mm. what, what's within our control. 
And small, simple action can just come from that, just that small vicinity that surrounds us, you know, be it, be it uh, uh, treating someone kindly or, you know, uh, with a lot of what's going on right now, you know, uh, we each individually have the ability to tell someone when something's not cool. You know, yeah. we, we, we can try to change hearts and minds, um, you know, uh, in and, our day-to-day path. And try to do that in a very, very loving way. Like I heard an amazing mm-hmm. story and I'm going to hook you up with this guest so he can tell this story. Okay. But I, I'll tell you guys off there. It's so good. I don't want to ruin his thunder. Okay. But it was, ex- okay. Dave, it's exactly what you were saying. And it was like they had to check somebody. And they did it in a loving and kind way, and it truly altered this person's life. Yeah, yeah. And I think I mean, that more of that needs to happen. Like, like for me, when I start thinking too grandiose, even when it's tasks I have to do, mm-hmm. they yeah. seem insurmountable. But yes. When you when you yeah. when you shrink them down to small, simple care and love, those are definitely surmountable on a day to day basis. Yep. What's the next good thing? What's the and next I, good thing I can do? Yeah. And I know that that kind of thinking changes lives and it changes society. It's because being in a 12 step program, I've known people, I've heard so many guys share with prison tattoos, say that I never thought this kind of person was going to be my friend, was going to be the kind of person that I would call in my hardest times. They're the best friends. Like that's the premise of my new hour of standup, that some of the best friends I've ever had were people I never should have met. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> it's the best. Exactly. Exactly. It's 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 such a beautiful thing. Oh, I can't wait for that. That's going to be great. That's going to be quite the listen. <laughs> um, what is your ex- like? What is the most kind of insane? And it can be insane good, insane bad. Like, what's been the most insane moment in your life? Oh, that's <laughs> such a good question. <laughs> The most insane woman, the most insane <laughs> moment of my life. Well, it's just funny because I'm thinking about uh, the girl I'm dating. I met her at Carney's down the street from the comedy store. <laughs> and I, sh- I, I never eat there. And I was with my nerd friend. As, like like uh, one of the phrases I've come up I, I, that's been brought to my attention lately, and I love this phrase is "friend of the friendless." And I go, "Yeah, I'd like to be the friend of the friendless." Yeah, so I, I had a buddy of mine who sort of bum rushed me. I had a set. It was the only time I've really performed at the Laugh Factory in the last five years. Mm. So I, I had a set at the Laugh Factory, and my buddy joined. Like, just showed up there. It's like I got myself on the list because I was afraid to put him on the list. Because I don't perform there often. I go, dude, yeah. I, can get you on the, I can get you in at the comedy store. But I don't have it at the Laugh Factory. Like, I'm just right. lucky to have a spot there. And, and then I was hanging out at the Laugh Factory, nervous to go on. It's like, hey, I got myself in. I know everybody here. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God. So then, so then we were walking back from the Laugh Factory to the comedy store. And it's like, you, don't have a, you have a late spot at the store, right? I checked the lineups. I'm like, yeah. And he's like, do you mind if we get something to eat? And I'm like, okay. And it's like, I have hypoglycemic. And I'm like, all right, dude, fine. It's like, would it be too much of a bother if we just stopped at Carney's? And I'm like, okay, let's go to Carney's. So I'm there just taking an ear beating from him at Carney's as he's eating. 
and I and just want I people to, I want people to know Carney's for those listening who don't know it is a hot dog burger joint that's inside of an old train car a big yeah, it's yellow an old train, train car, car on Sunset okay and I think if that's you important. walk in there if you walk in there you're gonna smell like grilled onions for the rest of the night that's a wrap right. for that outfit <laughs> and when I worked the door at the comedy store if you can make enough money in tips to get food at Carney's that was like as good as life got. Yeah. So I hadn't eaten at Carney's. I have a lot of positive memories with Carney's, but I just, mm-hmm. my, yeah. I, yeah. I, it's just not part of my life anymore. So I was sitting there at Carney's with my buddy and this like the most beautiful woman I've ever seen starts staring at me. And I thought something was wrong. <laughs> like I was like, what is going on here? And I'm like, is this girl checking me out? And then uh, she kept on staring and I'm like, hello. It got that bad where I was like, Hello, and she went. Oh, I'm sorry, and went back to talking to her friend. And wow. then she ordered her food, and then she kept on staring at me. And I'm like, "What?" She goes, uh, "Are you a writer?" I'm sorry for eavesdropping on your conversation. And then we just started to talk because she wanted to write children's books, and I was like, "I know some friends that do that or whatever." And then I was like, "I gave her like honest advice. Like she wasn't even a hot girl. I just gave her normal people advice." And then uh, she was like, "Well." don't you want my number or something so we could go talk about this later? And I was like, okay. And then, and then she was like, and then just took my phone and put her number in it. And then uh, I was surreal. I was like, what is going on here? And then my buddy that I was having that was eating, he was like, wow, does that happen to you all the time where hot chicks <laughs> just come up to you and give you, give you their numbers? And I was like, yeah, dude, it happens all the time. <laughs> I'm hilarious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, hol- I'm hilarious, but I'm a, I'm a real ding dong. I'm a real ding dong that doesn't take social like, wow, cues. Com- he was like, comedy's awesome. Chicks like that just come up to you all the time. I'm like, yeah, dude, this is what it's like to be a big time comedian. I love this. <laughs> yeah, so that was like that was like a very like surreal like what like I don't even know. I if yeah, I were to. If I were to get to pick who I'd want to hit on you in a moment like that, it would be a woman who writes children's books. Oh, like gosh. that is so, magic. It was magic. It was truly Aww. magic. Aww. Oh my gosh. Uh, this is going to be one of those podcasts where I get off the phone or I get off the call and then I, uh, I call my boyfriend and I'm like, I'm going to need a little magic. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it is a crazy story. And it's then Stuart's going to be like, well, I'm hyperglycemic. Let me eat first. And then I'll give you some <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. He Let me plug in my pocket protector for sure. I want to charge my phone. I okay. think Go that's great too, because it's just like, uh, insane doesn't have to be bad. No. Like, no. Uh, I, especially, if, I mean, for me, I'm unfortunately sometimes a pessimist by nature. So when I see the word <laughs> insane, when I see the word, ins- I'm trying to be better. I, I, instead of saying always, I'm leaving room for improvement for my pessimism. <laughs> but insane could just be, you know, like uh, like the word like flabbergasted comes to mind where you're just like, I, I'm out of my mind right now because yeah. of so much good. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's just like, you go like, this isn't normal. Like, how does this happen? I think. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think that good people draw good things to them. You know, it, it may not be right away. It might be on some higher powers time, but it's definitely, it's, it's definitely out there. I think that is a great lesson that came to me with life experience and maturity mm-hmm. that, 
there was a point in my life where I was really, really depressed. And I look at the circumstances of my life and I should have been really, really depressed. Like if I wasn't depressed, (laughs) something would have been wrong with me, you know? But I started to realize that over time, the decisions and the work I was putting in started to create better options for me. Like there was a point in my life and it, and it seems like yesterday, but it, it was a long time. It was over 10 years ago. But it was like no matter what I did, there, there was no, there was no joy. There was no great option. Yeah. And now I look at my days, and I'm, I just, I'm so grateful that I'm like, wow, I get to do this, or I could do this, or I could do this. Like I, I'm in love with every option that I have. Yeah. But there was a point where it's like I was working two or three horrible jobs. I didn't have a car. My roommate was driving me crazy. Like there was. There was no joy in my life. Yeah. Now I go, oh my gosh, man. Like, I'm grateful. Now, so, so how did you and how do you make decisions now, pre-joy and post-joy? You know, because like making decisions when you have no joy, there's, I, I, I've done it a thousand times. Yes. Now. And here's the problem. It's not the problem. Like, here's just something about life. And maybe this is my cop-out answer. Mm-hmm. But sometimes life sucks no matter what decisions you make. Like you're making the right decisions. But as Anna said, like over time, like sometimes it takes time for it to work. And um, patience is something I really had to learn. And I don't like learning patience. And it's still something I struggle with. But um, the one thing that I've sort of learned in my journey so far is sometimes – Oftentimes, I should say, the quote unquote right decision doesn't feel great in the moment. Mm. But then the fruits of that decision are awesome. Yeah. And oftentimes, the wrong thing to do, I kind of know it in the moment and it feels pretty good in the moment. (laughs) But then afterwards, I'm like, what have I done? And am I going to fix this? Because this feels awful and i if you apply that over time things do get better but Mm -hmm. i'm i don't want anybody to watch this or listen to this and think i have stuff figured out because i don't i'm just i'm just an idiot that's trying to be nice to people because that makes me feel good and somehow my life is better because of it yeah well yeah i would as, as someone who adores you, I, I have to encourage you to stop calling yourself an idiot because you're not. Uh, but I, yeah. I do. Yeah. I, there's a saying in 12-step world where we say sometimes God's, world, God's will sucks. Sometimes yeah. it just is hard. But yeah. the end result is a self-respect and a self-love just from doing the right thing and also the yes. impact that you make on others. Yes, like I wanted to turn that into a bit once because I remember like when I was struggling with all this stuff and people would say, well, doing the right thing is its own reward. I was like, yeah, because nobody's going to give you money or girls for doing the right thing. Like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> That's true. So I guess. but now, now I kind of view it as like, yeah, there's a piece that comes with that. Yeah, There's a piece that comes with going, all right. And, and the older I get, the more, the more valuable the pieces than the opportunity, the car, the money, the people thinking you're cool. 
Yeah. I just, I remember I was, my dad always used to give me age inappropriate advice. I love it. <laughs> my dad would talk to me like an adult when I was a child. And yes. in hindsight, I want to talk to him about it because his father died relatively young. Mm-hmm. And I bet maybe on a subconscious level, my dad was trying to give me advice in case he wasn't around. Yeah, but I, remember, I think like, my dad too. He had the same experience and he would just tell me all kinds of, like he used to tell me never turn your- yeah, never turn your back on the L- on the LAPD. You want to see it when they shoot you. And I'm like, I'm, I'm 10. <laughs> I was six one. He was like, remember, buddy, peace of mind's more valuable than a piece of ass. And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> it's like girls have cooties. Like I don't want yeah, I don't want that. That's a piece of ass. Yeah, right. <laughs> I just imagine you're a little kid who's now like Okay, so I didn't realize that there's parts, and those parts come off. <laughs> I, I was like, because I, I remember what it was. We saw like a hitchhiker. I was like six mm-hmm. years old, and I was sitting in the front seat, all excited, sitting in the front seat of the car before everything got legislated. And uh, there was like a really like hot. I remember this. There was like a girl wearing short shorts hitchhiking, and I like I was six, and for whatever reason, I was just staring at her. My dad's like, "Hey, man." couple years from now when you're driving, you don't want to pick up broads like that. I go, <laughs> he goes, yeah, she'll make you think she's giving you a piece of ass. She's going to invite you to a hotel room. And that's what her boyfriend in a biker gang is going to cock you over the head and take your wallet. I was like, what? I'm just six. And I was like, I don't, I don't even own a wallet. Yeah. And they go, he was like, remember, peace of mind is always more important than a piece of ass. And I'm like, no idea what. What a fun dad. <laughs> yep. That, that, that is, uh, if we had titles like that for the podcast, that would be the title for the podcast. <laughs> exactly. What a fun dad. <laughs> oh, there it is. Amazing. In your, in your journey, because I know you've like, you've gone through it with depression. You've made a lot of changes in your life. Mm-hmm. What is the thing that you've learned about yourself? Like the most surprising thing you've learned about yourself? This might not be a popular answer, but it's honest. What was surprising to me was accepting that God loved me exactly how I was. Mm. Yeah. That I didn't need to earn God's love. Yeah. That, that yeah. he just wanted to hug me as I was. Yeah. Right there in that moment. That I didn't need to be perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, I think that is really, if I think about it, is what sort of just changed everything. Yeah. Feeling and worthy I, of love. And I, I you know, it, it's unfortunate. And I think it's the business that does this. It's like you, you prefaced it by saying this is not the most going to be the most popular answer. But it, is it because like is there some is there some tinge because i guess the, the community that we are around doesn't really um is not a very religious or very spiritually fit community period like do you feel like sometimes that you have to like preface some of the things you say because you know that the business that we're in there's major, there's more people that are not spiritual than spiritual and not in like i carry fucking crystals in my pockets but like someone right. that believes in a god or something you know yeah i guess so like i wanted to preface it because it's not a um i mean it's such an easy answer that i gave you 
it's such a basic answer. It wasn't I don't like, think oh, so. here's the secret. And it was just like, wait, well, I'm worthy of love. Huh? Yeah. But yeah, I, think, I, I think a lot of people carry that wound with them. And I think actually that's the wound that really fuels our society. Because what, mm-hmm. what are we told every day? If you buy this, then you'll be worthy of love. If you do this, you'll be worthy. Like, I mean, right? Like if you feel good all the time, you don't need a new car. You don't need designer clothes. You don't. Yeah. You're good. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, um, on a very small level yesterday, I got a little bit of that self-acceptance and some of that higher power love when I was sitting, you know, I'm sitting down getting strapped in to, to have the, the blood draw. The gal says, you know, you barely made the weight requirement for this. If you had been, if you had weighed any less, you wouldn't have been able to do this today. We would have sent you away. And, (laughs) and I was like, yes, go 20 pounds. I gained like, whereas in our society, everybody would say that that's the wrong thing to do in our business. Everybody would say that's the wrong thing to do. Everybody's running around trying to be different than they are inside and outside. And to just look at myself in the mirror and be like, you know what? I'm alive today. I'm healthy today. And because of this little extra cushion for the push and I got to help somebody. That's awesome. But I would say like what makes comedians so cool is that like, our little subculture in the entertainment industry is so mm. cool. Like we're yeah. just so honest, yes. so transparent, and communicate yeah. freely. And like to what you were just saying, like when a young comic comes to the comedy store and it's somebody that what, whatever, uh, first thing I like to show them is what's painted on the cover booth. Um, and I, I mean, I've showed it to paid regulars that have been at the club for 10, 20 years that have never yeah. taken read it. But it's essentially Mitzi Shore's philosophy on comedy. And I'll paraphrase it. It says, Monday night is potluck night, which means anybody with a desire, with a desire, can have three minutes on stage. That doesn't mean you need to be funny in three minutes, but you need to be you in three minutes. And um, it took me like eight years to get past at the store. Mm-hmm. But I did a lot of work to get to that point where I was finally comfortable just to be me on stage. Yeah. And you are the most you on stage. Like that's, that's the magic of the comedy store is you get to see a lot of people. You get to see a lot of talented joke writers, but you also get to see people that are the most them. And when I started coming around you and a bunch of comedians really showed me that like the goal is to be the most you. At first, it's writing the joke, right? And then it becomes taking that joke and saying it as myself. And that you, you're just such a tremendous example. You are the reason why I'm trying to make my jokes more positive. It's easy to, it's easy to be negative. Mm-hmm. But it's hard to be funny and positive at the same time. <laughs> well, it's hard, it's hard to, to mean it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I remember one of the best pieces of, of advice I ever got on stand-up because I used to manage the comedy store. So I would get there in the afternoon and stay in at two o'clock in the morning. And there was like this for a couple months, Eddie Griffin of all people was like my best friend. And <laughs> yeah. Eddie Griffin would just show up in the manager's office at like four in the afternoon and just talk to me for like three hours before the club opened. Wow. Yeah, it was cool. And he told me a story. It was like, this comes from the mountaintop. He goes, I got this advice from Richard Pryor himself. 
Because he said, like, when he was a young comic prior, was still coming into the store and would watch him. And he just wanted to absorb and learn whatever whatever Richard Pryor could give him. That's what he wanted to learn. So he said he finally got to perform for Richard and he was so excited and nervous and proud or whatever. And then he went to Richard's house like a day or two later and wanted to like get his critique. And Richard told him, he was like, Eddie, you're funny. Congratulations. You're funny, but you won't be great until you lose your comic ears. And Eddie was like, what? He was like, your comic ears. He goes, you say something, then you're listening for the laugh. He goes, don't say it because you want them to laugh. Say it because you mean it. And I yeah. think I think what to, to your point of being positive and funny, the reason why that's difficult is just because it's difficult to be positive and mean it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> to really yeah. mean it. That's all. Especially when you've been standing in line and sitting with comedians and they're like weird love me energy all night. And you're oh. just like <laughs> that open mic at the comedy was so challenging. It was so challenging to get a spot. It was so challenging to try to be funny in three minutes. It was so challenging to try to get an audience to pay attention to you after the last 10 comics bombed horrifically Mm -hmm. in front of you. Like it was really, that's like, I had gotten to the point where I stopped trying to do material. I'm like, I only have three minutes. So just let me go up there and try to connect with this crowd. That's that's all the time I had. Yeah, and I don't know where I don't know where it comes from either. But like, I, I, I the image of the fucking like you have to be miserable to, no. to find funny. You know, like it just, it just it just seems like like that. I don't know where that started, but I it's just like uh, oh well, it's got to be it's got to be shitty. Otherwise, where where is it going to be? Where is the funny going to come from? Like I remember, I, I ran into a young comic at the store, and he's like. Well, yeah, I'm living in my car, you know, but you know, man, you got to do what you got to do. I'm like, why are you living in your car, man? Like, like, do you have a, a job? He's like, well, I, you know, you just got to, sometimes you got to, that's part of it. I'm like, it's not part of it because your mental health is going to go to shit. Correct. L- living in a fucking car. Like, I'm not beyond, like, I've slept in my car more times than I can count work on the road. Okay. I'm not, it's not a knock on the car, but it's just like. <laughs> In his head, it was like part of it that he had to be miserable. And like yeah. he was looking at me because of um, uh, some years in front of him to co sign that notion. And, and, oh, that, and, I, I, and yeah, it's awful. I think you, to your point of the whole mental health, like I made a decision early on where I was like, my mental health is more valuable than my career. Yeah. Yes. And, and there is that misconception that you have to be miserable to be funny. And yeah. I was like, you know what, man? I would love it if I was never funny then. If I was so happy, I was like, man, everything's great. Right. My wife's <laughs> super hot. My kids are super healthy and awesome. Everything's great. But I, yeah. I, 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 I read in the interview two things to your point, Dave. I remember my first Christmas I spent in L.A. And I did at that point, I had enough money to go home, but it would have wiped me out financially. Mm-hmm. But I said, you know what? You have to make this commitment. This is where you are now. Spend Christmas in LA. And I was my first one and I didn't have any real friends. I, I wasn't really dialed in yet. And, and I remember spending the only thing that was open on Christmas day was the Burger King at Sunset and La Brea. Oh, my word. There's nothing more depressing than Burger King on Christmas. 
On Sunset and La Brea of all places. Sunset and La Brea Burger King was only open. And I was such an optimist in my heart that I really thought my family was going to show up and surprise me. (gasps) And I was like almost on my burger. I'm like, where is everybody? And then I had to walk home and I'm like, this is the worst feeling ever. I'm never going to do this again. If I ever have the money to go home, I Mm. will. There were years after that that I didn't have the money. I literally had no money. So um, I was like, I'm never going to make it more difficult on myself than it needs to be ever again. And I I remember reading an interview with Jim Carrey, and he was talking about Rodney Dangerfield and George Carlin being so bitter at the end. And Mm -hmm. Jim Carrey's problem with being funny is that you always have to look for what's wrong to find the fun. And if you spend your lifetime looking at what's wrong, it's going to warp your brain. Yep. And I went, well, my comedy is going to be pointing out what's right. Yeah. And that's what I've been doing ever since. I've been trying to do that just for my, for selfish reasons. For yeah. my own. Method. But I, I think I, if your motive is just for yourself, the impact of that is that other people who need joy, just need silly, silly joy in those yeah. moments. Yeah. They, they will, my, I, I had a friend, she, her father died suddenly and, um, she called me and she said, can you come over? I said, of course, how can I show up for you? I, she goes, bring me candy. I bring her candy. I walk in the door and her boyfriend is standing over her with his hands on his face. And there's a Disney movie playing in the background and she's weeping. And mm-hmm. I said, and, and I said, what's going on? And she goes, every one of these movies has a dead dad. Oh. And I said, give me the remote. And I turned on Brian Regan on Netflix. And then after that, I turned on John Mulaney. And I said, you just only watch things that are joy right now. That's it. Mm-hmm. I know that Disney is designed to bring you joy, but it's also designed to bring joy to people that, their little tiny brains have never experienced loss. So they have to fabricate a loss right now. You're in grief. You just need joy, straight joy, adult joy. Uh (laughs) And like, I think that that's a lot of what your, your comedy does. Like it's, it's, it gives you that, that boost of like, you know what? I made the right decision coming here tonight. I'm feeling good. Yes. I needed to hear about the excitement of children and pizza. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's 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 beautiful i remember there was an old road dog that talked to me i was opening up for paulie on the road years ago mm-hmm. and the guy just really liked me and he was like hey man you never know why somebody's in the audience you never know why they come out and that always stayed with me and i remember one night when things started to click for me on stage you know that like where things are starting to click, you know, you're starting to do the type of comedy you always wanted to do. And uh, I'd gotten off stage in the OR and like, it was just a magical set where all these people wanted to talk to me afterwards. And there was a woman patiently waiting just for a little bit of my attention. I was like, huh? And uh, she told me that she was, uh, she just buried her kid. Hmm. And she came to the comedy store by herself to try to feel better. And she wanted to thank me for doing it. And I was like, oh, my God. So I might not be yeah. rich. I might not be famous. But I got to help one person. And that's yeah. what. Yeah. That's, and, that's, uh, 
And that's like, that's the honesty of, of it. You can live, you can live for a long time on the, on that moment, you know, and that's not, that's not a, a cash and prizes thing, you no. know, and, and, and being honest with yourself about that specific thing, you know, that's, that's more efficient fuel than being fueled by, you know, the cash and prizes or the, yeah. the, the sadness okay. or whatever, you know, and it's like being honest, like, you know, like, I, I never was an honest person really before I, I, I got sober. Uh, but you know, um, you know, being able to be honest with people in front of you, like that, like that kid who was living in his car, you know, I was just honest with him. I didn't co-sign it. I didn't co-sign what he was doing. And like a few months later, I ran into him at the Hollywood ball. I was in the bathroom and he come around the corner and he had like a, a polo shirt and a laminate and he had gotten a job there and gotten an apartment, you know, oh, so that's it's awesome. Like, yeah. yeah. So it's like being honest, you know, and that kind of leads us into the next question. Like how honest are you with yourself and other people? I try to be as honest as possible, definitely with myself, but with other people, I think I am honest, but I try to do that in a polite way and in a loving way. Some people just think you can be an asshole and you're like, I'm just yeah. being honest. I'm like, mm. There's a way to do it. So I try to be as honest as I can with others in the most loving, kind way. But yeah. I will say I'm not great. Like one of the, if I'm going to be honest with myself, one of the things I, I do have to work on is boundaries and mm. communication and uh, that, you know, especially when it like comes to like sticking up for myself. Like I hate bullies. I will get in somebody's face if I see them being rude to somebody else or whatever. But if it's me, I'm kind of like, well, if they're going to be a jerk. They can be a jerk. I don't care. You know what I mean? But mm -hmm. like, yeah, I have to get better at being honest in a loving kind way. But yeah. I have gotten, like, I have, I've gotten better at telling people like, you know what? I don't appreciate that. And let me tell you why. Yeah. You literally answered the next huge. question like flawlessly. So that's the thing you want to work on is those boundaries. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Because it's very difficult for me because I am, uh, it feels good to give. Yeah. It's the greatest. Like if it, but you also have to like self care has been something I've had to learn. And like, I literally think God stopped the world the last three months now. And for a while, I was still on the phone 15, 18 hours a day checking in people. Yes. And God was like, hey, dude, I stopped the world. You could go write 10 scripts. Nobody's, nobody can even make the movie now. Nobody can produce that show now. Take a nap. Reconnect yes. with people that mean the most to you. Yes. Go make ice. Go eat ice. Go make a pizza. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's, that's what it's been. And it's, for me, it's been like, 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 like really focusing on the most important relationships, the people that matter the most to me. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, having boundaries is one of those things where it's, it's super hard just in general as a regular person, but in, in the entertainment business, having boundaries with people, because it's like, if I create this boundary with this person, is it going to set off a chain reaction of events where now I'm 
blacklisted or you know like it's just like yeah, you know, telling like telling people no thank you is a complete sentence you know like i yeah i'm not trying i'm not trying to i'm sorry i'm not trying to have this conversation right now or just being done with a conversation just be like yeah i like if if i'm talking about something painful with someone and then i just feel like i'm done talking about it like i reserved the right okay. to pull pull the ripcord like hey I'm I'm done talking about this right now. Like I, I'm yeah, and I just certain things I literally do not have time for. That's not an expression. I'm like, oh, I don't have time for this. My my time's far too valuable. Yeah, especially now that I'm learning self care, where I'm like, it's important that I could hang out with my girlfriend and eat ice cream and watch a movie. I never took yes. time, but I need we, that. Yeah, I need that. And there are I have friends that I love dearly, but I've had to have honest conversations with them where I'm like, dude, I don't care. Like you're, you're trying to instigate all this political discussion on Facebook to what end? Like right. what trying to accomplish? I go, right. I don't have time for that. What's up? Somebody's opinion is their opinion. I don't have time for you to complain to me about a stranger's opinion <laughs> on politicians that I've never met. <laughs> I, I literally don't care. And even if I did care, I don't have enough time to do what I want yeah. to do. The, the best advice I got from that, I had, I had been doing stand-up for about six months. And how I came into stand-up is David Taylor told me I was a stand-up comedian while I was just sitting in the store trying to avoid my depression. And yeah. I complimented him. I said, I really liked that joke. And he said, oh, you're a comic, right? Because only comedians think I'm funny. And six months later, I had you know started doing stand-up. And... Because I worked in drug and alcohol treatment, I have like resting therapist face. And so comedians would come up to me and just tell me everything. And it wasn't that, I mean, listening is an act of service, but it gets to a point where I, I had nothing left. And then I'd have to go on stage and I'd be like, oh, you know, just trying to, yeah. just trying to put sentences together. And I went to the store one night, I said, David, I got to ask you advice. And I said, you know, I, I want to make connections with people. I want to talk to people, but I also feel like they're really just puking sadness into my heart sometimes. And I don't know what to do with it. And he said, uh, well, I, uh, uh, that is uh, very much, you know, you can just walk away from any conversation you don't want to be in. That's, I do it all the time. I just walk away. And I'm like, yeah, but you're rude. And he goes, yes, but I could, you could just walk away. And then he said, but that's a very good skill to have. You should start a podcast. Hey, and he leans over to Nick Yusuf and he says, Anna's starting a podcast and basically starts telling everybody around me, I'm starting a podcast. And I, and, and finally Nick Yusuf says, what, what podcast are you starting? I said, honestly, David's just telling me I should start a podcast because people tell me their problems. And he said, you should, uh, you should make it like a 12 step thing call it 12 questions. And that's how this podcast got started. Thank you. The Lord works in mysterious ways. <laughs> right? Right? And three years later, I'm still doing it. I can't get David Taylor or Nick Yusuf to come on, but, I, <laughs> but I'm, uh, I'm grateful for that. You know, that ability to my, my goal for 2020 before everything started happening was to no longer be in uh, conversations with people I know are on cocaine. That was my goal. <laughs> oh, I'm such a nerd. I don't even know when people are on cocaine. It's there's usually a sweatiness and a close talking, and it's the wiping of the of, nose. It's the ear beating. It's the it's the combination of things to just stop and say, "Excuse me, 
have you done cocaine this evening? <laughs> okay. I'm going to walk away. Come talk to me when you're not high. And then just walk away with some love. Cause it's, it's, it's hard. It's really hard. That, um, that does, that, that gives me anxiety. What, when people are, when two people are too fucked up in my space, like I don't mind talking to people when they're messed up, you know, being a sober person. But like when, when you're abusing like my time and my space, that's, that's gives me extreme anxiety. You know, yeah. oh, there's so many sad people. Yeah, yeah, because that's really what it is. Is they're sad and they want to. I'm sorry, I have a very loud cat. He's another co-host to this podcast. His hey, name buddy. is Oscar. Um, but yeah, Wait, how do you deal with your own fear and anxiety? What do you What do you do with that? For me, that that's like where my relationship with God comes in, mm. and I just give it over to God. Like the best was like I'm Catholic, so. Uh, for the 40 days before Easter, we, we, um, we prepare for the Easter with yes. this season called Lent. And yes. part of our tradition is that you give something up for Lent. Yes. So this year I gave up worrying. And I was nice. like, I'm going to give up. I'm gonna, Cause like, I really discerned it. And I'm like, what could I give up that will have a, like, cause normally like you're a fat kid and you give up chocolate or you give up yeah. sugar. I'm going to really, but I'm like, what, what do I rely on that's not making my life any better? Yeah. So I'm like, I'm going to give up worrying. I and love that. I, I have a Catholic nerd buddy, my buddy Tony. And he was the last person I got to hang out with in society before the lockdown. Yeah. It was like Thursday night, the 12th. And it was like, we were like a week into Lent. And it was like, whoa, that's awesome. Because I also give it up sugar and my favorite pizza. But I was like, the real thing I'm giving up is worrying. And we started to talk. Then he came back to it and he goes, I have, an idea, I have a feeling that's going to be a very difficult Lent for you. And within 48 hours of him saying that, I lost all my work. Society was completely shut down to a halt. And then here we are. And now when I find myself starting to worry or start, and I go, all right, I'm not going to, I'm just, I just don't do yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, in 12-step programs, there's a saying that's actually a misquote, and it says, um, uh, um, fear is a lack of faith, and I've always disagreed with that, because I think faith is walking through fear. That's really what it is, and I think that oh, fear is a, um, it's a biological instinct. It, it's what keeps me from walking onto the freeway, because it looks fun. All right, you know? let me tell you something awesome. Yes. Okay, so I had a roommate once. And he was like, like one of the things I have been blessed with is that I have friends that are always way cooler than me. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like me too. I, me too. <laughs> like I always like I'm this guy's only friend, but I know with all my friends are like, I'll be nice to Steve and it'll make me feel good. <laughs> all right. So uh, I had a roommate. Uh, he was a friend of a friend that needed a place to crash part time in LA, and I had a two better whatever. I should never have been friends with this guy because he was like legit cool. Like he married a rocket and <laughs> yeah, he married a rocket and like, he was like one of those like international photographer guys. Like okay. he had a cool job and, and he was a surfer and like he, like he let me tag along with him through Malibu when things were pumping and he was like, yeah. this is the beach. This is this beach. So anyway, one of the cool guys I know his best friend was spent his entire adult life 
with the elite Navy SEALs. Wow. Okay. Okay. So this guy was like the type of dude they make movies about. Yeah. And talked about fear. Interesting. And like, he was like, oh, I'm a coward. He was like, my mom, way stronger and braver than I. Wow. Like, well, how do you deal? He goes, I acknowledge my fear. And then I deal with it. Yeah. And, and like we, we, in some very basic breathing techniques, like he would show me this breathing technique where it lowers your heart rate and you can actually yes. think. But he was like, and then I had another friend of mine, God rest his soul, who was a legit badass, right? I had a buddy of mine that did all that kind of stuff. Another buddy of mine. And he said, like, before they would go on missions, if there was a guy that was like, I'm not afraid of anything, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. He was like, that's the guy that you were afraid Because they yeah. were either never had any combat experience or they were so stupid that you knew you might have to kill them yourself. Mm. Whoa. That, yeah. that's me Because that, that combat breathing is the real tea. I was in the middle of quarantine. I was walking down. I've used, I have panic attacks sometimes and I've used it a lot. I've used it before going on stage. I've, I've walked, um, I was walking with my friend, my, my friend has uh, cancer and she had had surgery and she asked me to come stay with her. And so I got my COVID test, I head down there and I'm walking dogs through the neighborhood and I see a woman sitting in her car in her driveway, hysterically crying. Oh God. And, and I just wave and I go, Hey honey, can I, can I help you? And she just said, I'm in this house all day with these four kids and I just feel like I can't breathe. And I said, I think you're having a panic attack. And she said, she said, okay. And I go, what I'm going to tell you something that can stop this right now. And I taught her how to combat breathe. And she was like, okay, I can do this. So I said, anytime you need to just, you know, breathe in for four, hold for four, breathe out for six, hold for four and just keep doing that until the feeling goes away. And she was like, okay. And I was like, Awesome. She's like, where did you hear about that? I said, I heard a Marine on NPR. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I just walked away. I was like, that's, you're going to be okay, mama. Like, it's so, that's so cool. And, and what the book actually says, the misquote is, worry is the practice of a lack of faith. Okay. So by giving, by giving up worry, you were, um, you were actually practicing greater faith. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. And that also comes into ego. Yes. Like, cause I go, wait, what, what can I really do? Yeah. What control do I really have? And yeah. that comes to surrender. Where we, that's why I said everything for me is like surrender and love. Like, yeah. yeah. That's beautiful. I love that. How, how with all this surrender and love in your life, how do you experience forgiveness? Oh, um, <laughs> I mean, it just makes life so much easier. It's just a very selfish yeah. thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, I think that's one of those things where like, yeah, of course you forget. And then like being a Christian, like that's, that's in our, that's in our book where right. it's like, you're going to be forgiven the same way you forgive others. So I'm like, I forgive everybody. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because that's like, it's paying yourself. Yeah. I love that. 
I love that. What's the weirdest apology you've ever had to give or you've given? Oh, uh, <laughs> I bombed the best man's speech at my brother's wedding. <laughs> yeah. And I had to apologize to my newly minted sister-in-law. How did you bomb? Were you trying to be funny? Uh, oh, it was, it's, I might close my next album on it. Oh. Story. I don't want to go into the details. No, it was terrible. Like it was crickets. I can't relive it. I get like anxiety thinking about it. It was terrible. And I was like, okay, you need to go apologize to your sister. And the magical thing was she was so cool and so sweet. And now we are so close. And then, cause I didn't realize like what a big deal weddings were to girls and like to their parents. But, um, <laughs> So I got to apologize to Brooke, my sister, and then now like I'm best buddies with her mom. Oh. Yeah, I had to. I got to pick her up from the airport once, and I took her out to lunch, and I and she was like, "I don't know what you're talking about." Yes. But apologizing to a bride on her wedding day for making an inappropriate speech sober was um, very uncomfortable. That's it. Well, that's amazing. And it, made and us you, family, it made us close. We were instantly family from that day. Because you were vulnerable. They got to see a person at their most vulnerable is when they've made a mistake. Yeah. And like you, they got to see your vulnerability and now they know, they know the, 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 the true, the grit of who you are is the kind of person that will say that was deeply embarrassing for me. And rather than running and hiding, I'm going to apologize to you because it's your day and I love you. That's beautiful. Mm, That's what happened. And the through line, the through line is your ego was right sized enough to let you do the hard thing, you know, where like nobody, I mean, I don't think anybody wants to apologize initially for anything, but like, Going through oh, that. I'm a call. huge apology guy. Me too. I apologize I too much. I can't live with myself. I can't. Yeah. I just have to try to make amends and try to do it right away. Yeah. I'm like, oh. so, so, are you, so you're saying apology is your go-to, even if it's not necessary? Almost for selfish reasons. I like to always, honestly, I like to go, if I'm the asshole, I want to clear that out right away sure. and, yeah. and, and get that off my books so I can move forward. Whether they want to accept it or not, if they want to, whatever, but I'm going to do what I, I have to, I got, I want to pay my, my emotional debts as soon as possible. Yeah. We, we call that keeping our side of the street clean in recovery. Yeah. yeah we Makes do. sense. And, yeah. and for me, it's for me, I like sleeping at night. That's what it boils Correct. down to for me. Yeah. I like I Correct. like to go to bed knowing that I did what I could to make things yeah. right as quickly yes. as possible. Yes. And for me, like I tried to be perfect for so long that mm. it led to depression and anxiety. Mm-hmm. Now I don't think about I, I just try to live freer. Mm-hmm. And that process, I've accepted the fact that I am not perfect, that I need a savior that I have messed up, I will continue to mess up. But as long as I try my best to correct those mess ups, then I'm moving in the right direction. And that's all yeah. I can do. Yeah. That's Is it. That, how, with that in mind, like, how do you approach your day to day? Because that's, that's very much like a day to day for me. Like, don't be a dick. And if I'm a dick, say, hey, I was a dick. I'm sorry. How can I make it out right? 
That's it. Yeah. yeah. That's beautiful. I love that. How much more what? time do we have? My girlfriend's patiently waiting for me to take her out. Two more questions. Okay. Two I'll more start. questions. Um, uh, what is, um, thank you very much for your time too. And thank you for your girlfriend's time. Tell her, thank you so much. Take She's her to a Car gem. Take her to Carney's. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Do you want to go to Carney's? And we'll find out if it's open. <laughs> so, uh, so what's your relationship with your higher power look like? You know, we've talked Ooh. a lot about it, so we're getting a good feel of it. But what would you say if you could describe the relationship? Constantly working on it, like every relationship. Yeah. And that's that's the paramount relationship. I put God first every day. Um, I put time in. Yeah. Like I mentioned my, my Catholic nerd buddy, Tony. We yeah. pray for an hour every day over the phone again. Oh, every day. Um, and what... The Lord working in mysterious ways. I have a buddy of mine who was an atheist in college. He had a lot of, uh, and he had every reason not to believe in God because of some of the things that had happened to him. So, um, and he's the most Boston guy I've ever met. Ah, uh, there you go. Yeah. Like he, <laughs> he put himself through law school by being a union bricklayer. Okay. Yeah. So he, pretty he Boston. Forgets. Yeah. So he has a, his JD, MBA, and a union brick card. He's <laughs> a, a brick, like, so he's the coolest dude ever. He was a Golden Gloves boxer. Wow. Carries a, like, he's awesome. But I didn't know where his relationship with God was. And uh, I was going through a tough time in November. I'd broken up with this girlfriend, <laughs> and my career wasn't where I wanted it to be, this and that. And then he challenged me, this atheist challenged me to pray rosary every day. And I went, what? And he was talking about the power of meditation and connecting with mm -hmm. God. And I went, wait, when did this happen? When did you find this? And uh, so I, I think my relationship with my higher power is something I work at. Yeah. But at its very simplest, it's just accepting love. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, that, that is a simple way. That's it. You try to accept the love so you can be a source of the love. Simple, so not perfect. simple, not easy. That's that's the thing. These are simple oh, I love ideas. That. Simple yes. or not easy. Trust me. Yes. I, it's not mine. Don't, I'm not taking credit for that. This is years <laughs> and years of fucking going into rooms, drinking black coffee with strangers. Uh, yeah. And then finally, what would you tell someone just like you, Steve, that's listening to this right now? gonna be okay <laughs> yeah everything's okay. gonna be okay oh my gosh this Fuck has you. been fantastic steve i adore you thank you so much you. for love you too as where do can, i where can people find you and experience the joy that is you um i have a podcast called good times and mm -hmm. uh, check that out hopefully the comedy store soon Hopefully yeah. that'll help again soon. We all get yeah. the hang. Follow yes. Steve Simone on uh, Twitter uh, to get those gratitude lists every day. Yeah. And also fun, fun views of his apartment. What, yeah. <laughs> what, what are the handles for that so people can find you? Uh, just go to awesomesteve.com and that has my Instagram and my Twitter. Yay! I love it. Uh, Dave, where can people find you? 
Uh, you can find me on all social media platforms at Yates Comedy. Uh, so holler at me there. Uh, you can find me at Anna V is fun on Twitter and Instagram. You can also find me at AnnaValenzuela.com. You can find this podcast at 12Q Pod on Twitter and Instagram as well. And how we end this podcast every time is Steve, if nobody's told you this today, we love you. Aww. And Dave, if nobody's told you this today, we love you. We love you too. And if you're listening and nobody said this to you today, we love you. All right. Thank you much so love, much. Much love, everybody. Thanks for much listening. Love. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Yeah. Bye.